Please turn your Bibles again to the book of Proverbs this morning. Just looking at the time. I know some of you have set your coffee clocks for 9.30. Sorry. Um, We'll be waiting. If we can turn to Proverbs chapter 8 and uh, verse 35 to 36, that's the key text that we're going to launch from uh, today as we uh, consider the the study in the book of Proverbs this morning. Uh, Hopefully you've got your handouts uh, with all the scriptures contained in it. Please make reference to those as we work our way through it this morning and um, and out throughout the week as well as you uh, continue to read and work your way through the book of Proverbs. We come this morning to the penultimate sermon in our series in the book of Proverbs, which we will end next week uh, as we focus on Jesus Christ as the ultimate wisdom of God, the one in whom we find all true wisdom and ultimately eternal life. But our series so far has covered a whole host of very practical topics about how we are to live our lives in this world according to the way of wisdom. That's the theme for the series, the way of wisdom. We've considered speech and friendship and marriage, work, guidance, wealth, emotions, and last week, parenting. And throughout the series so far, in every theme which we've considered together in Proverbs, we have seen that there are two ways to live. There is the way of wisdom, and there is the way of folly. And we've seen that with each subject which Proverbs speaks on, if you live according to the way of wisdom, there are many wonderful blessings which flow from God's gracious hand. But when you live according to the way of folly, there are many sad and destructive consequences which equally come from the hand of God's displeasure. Now, to be true to the book of Proverbs and the broader teaching of God's word, we need to see today that the way of wisdom that we've been considering each week is not optional for the Christian. It's not optional, but in fact determines or at least reveals your eternal destination. What I mean by this is that we may be tempted at the end of a series like this to say, well, I'm a Christian I know that I'm going to heaven when I die, but you know, Clinton, this whole wisdom thing, it's rather hard. I know that foolish decisions don't please God. I know that foolish decisions carry with them negative consequences, but in the end, does it really matter? Because as long as I love Jesus, I'll be okay. Well, the problem with that kind of reasoning is that while it sounds quite Christian-y, It's not true to the broad teaching of God's word, and it's specifically out of line with the teaching of Jesus Christ. Rather, what we find in Scripture is that the way of wisdom and the way of folly are not two possible ways for a Christian to live, but in fact are two completely different groups of people. One group who is on the path of life, leading to eternal life, and the other who is on the path of death, leading to eternal death. And so that's going to be the focus of our series this morning, the way of life and the way of death. Let me give you just two passages to to set the scene, to show you this. 
Back in Deuteronomy chapter 30, Moses was coming to the end uh, of his life and he was now handing over the leadership of Israel to, to Joshua. And we read in Deuteronomy 30, See, Moses says, I've set before you today life and good, death and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I command you today by loving the Lord your God, by walking in his ways and keeping his commandments and statutes and rules, then you shall live and you shall multiply and the Lord your God will bless you. It's a way of wisdom. But if your heart turns away and you will not hear and you are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, I declare to you today that you shall surely perish. It's the way of death. You shall not live long in the land that you are going over the Jordan to enter and possess. And then Moses says this, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I've set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, holding fast to him. For he is your life and length of days that you may dwell in the land that the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob to give them. So clearly Moses is presenting life and death to God's people, where life we see is both a path and a destination. And death is both a path and a destination. So you cannot claim as a Christian to be headed for the destination of life when daily you are walking on the path of death. Now the path and the destination are inextricably linked to our relationship to God and our obedience to his word. Perhaps I hear some of you thinking or asking, but Clinton, that was so Old Testament. That's all this talk about obedience and, and curses and death. That's, that's law. That's been done away with when Jesus died on the cross. Well, let's ask Jesus if anything has changed. Matthew 7, verse 13 to 14. Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So Jesus, he is the second and the greater Moses at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, which really was a long exposition of the law of God, he ends with almost an identical summary to Moses. But Jesus here doesn't just explain that there are two paths with two destinations as Moses did. He also explains that there are two gates, two gates which lead into these two paths, which ultimately end in two very different destinations. Now you may be wondering what this has to do with our series in the book of Proverbs and I would propose today that it has everything to do with Proverbs because every subject that we have considered in the book of Proverbs so far is only rightly understood and applied to our lives when we recognize it in the light of Deuteronomy chapter 30 and Matthew chapter 7. 
We've seen all along that every proverb about the way of wisdom versus the way of folly is not simply good advice, presenting you with options, how you can live a successful life, and you can pick the parts that you like and you can reject the parts that you don't. No, every proverb reveals which gate you entered through, which path you are living on, and thus which eternal destination you are headed to. We see this clearly in Proverbs 8, verse 32 to 36. Proverbs 8, verse 32 to 36. And now, O sons, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways, hear instruction, and be wise. Do not neglect it. Blessed is the one who listens to me, watching daily at my gates, waiting beside my doors. This is the gate of wisdom, the doorway of of wisdom. Whoever finds me, wisdom says, finds life and obtains favor from the Lord. But he who fails to find me injures himself, and all who hate me love death. So taking our cue then from Jesus this morning, let's consider what Proverbs has to say about the two gates and the two paths and the two destinations. And so in the first place, we're going to consider the two gates. Let's start with the broad gate which Jesus spoke about, the the broad gate which leads onto the wide way which leads to destruction. And those who enter by it, Jesus says, are many. This is the gate which Proverbs describes as the gate of death. Proverbs 8.36 has already told us that those who do not find wisdom, who do not enter by her gate, are those who injure themselves and they love death. Now, I don't know too many people who would willingly do things to hurt themselves. And I certainly know very few, if any, who love death. And yet, Jesus tells us that this gate of death is wide, and, and those that enter through it are many. So what's going on here that so many people enter this gate which leads to a life of injury and a destination of death? Well, most simply put, the gate to death is birth. The gate to death is birth. We, we saw something of this last week. Our being born as human beings into this world, we are born into and through the gate of death. The very reason you and I need to discipline our children, that we have to redirect their hearts to Jesus, is because they are born in sin. Remember last week, Proverbs 22, verse 15, folly. It's the opposite of wisdom. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. It doesn't need to learn it. It doesn't need to watch you do it. That just helps the problem. But it's, it's there. It's bound up in the heart of the child. But the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Proverbs 19. Discipline your son for there is hope. Do not set your heart on putting him to death. What a proverb. If you do not drive folly out of the child of your heart, uh, out of the, the heart of your child, you've effectively sentenced them to death. So from the moment of our birth, from that first breath of life in our lungs, we've entered the gate of death. 
and our hearts are filled with folly. And so we read in Proverbs 20 verse 9, Who can say, I've made my heart pure? I'm clean from my sin. And the answer is clearly no one, not even one. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So besides being born with a sinful nature, uh, just like those warnings that you see on cigarette boxes you think would deter people from sucking cancer into their lungs, what is it that keeps people then, multitudes, on this path of death? Well, just like smoking cigarettes is a gateway to marijuana, which is a gateway to other more destructive drugs, so to our birth into the gate of death leads us onto a wide, broad path with many other internal gateways of increasing injury and bondage to death. Let's give, let Proverbs give us some examples of these gateways to death. There is pride and arrogance and self-righteousness. Have a look at Proverbs 14 verse 12. There is a way that seems right to a man. I don't need advice. I know what I'm doing. I've got this under control. But in the end, it's the way to death. Pride, arrogance. Then there is the gateway of sexual sin and the lusts of the flesh. Speaking of adultery, in Proverbs 7, 21, we read, With much seductive speech she persuades him. With her smooth talk she compels him. All at once he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know that it will cost him his life. Sexual sin, lusts of the flesh, leads to death. It's a gateway to death. Then there's the gateway of greed and the desire for riches. Look at Proverbs 1.19. Such are the ways of everyone who is greedy for unjust gain. It takes away the life of its possessors. Greed, riches, is a gateway to death. Whoever is greedy for unjust gain troubles his own household. But he who hates bribes will live. If the opposite is to live, therefore, the greed, the trouble that the greedy man brings to his home is death. Then there's the gateway of the lack of, self, uh, of discipline and self-control. Proverbs 25, 22. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies. Death is the, the end road for lack of discipline. And because of his great folly, he is led astray. Then there's the gateway of deception in the seduction of folly. Here in Proverbs 9, folly is personified as a woman. The woman folly is loud. She, she is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat at the high places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple... Turn in here. Whoever lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet, bread eaten is secret is pleasant, but he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. So Proverbs is clear that one who wanders from the way of good sense will rest in the assembly of the dead. 
So that's the gate of death, and there are many sub-gateways within this broad way of death. In the second place, Jesus tells us about another gate, the gate of life. Uh, Jesus explains this is a narrow gate, which leads onto a narrow, a hard way, which leads to life. And he says there are only a few who find it. So what is this gate? Well, God's word again makes it quite simple. If the gate to death is birth, then the gate to life is the new birth, being born again by the Spirit of God. Remember what Jesus said to Nicodemus, John 3 verse 5, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's the first birth through the gate of death into sin. And that which is born of the Spirit is spiritual. It's, it's the new birth. Nicodemus, do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. And Proverbs affirms this. Proverbs 14 verse 27. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. This was one of our first sermons in the series. The fear of the Lord means to truly know and worship God for who he is. The fear of the Lord is the fountain of life. That one may turn away from the snares of death. Proverbs 4 verse 20 says, My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them, healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. And Proverbs 3.13, blessed is the one who finds wisdom, the one who gets understanding. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who lay hold of her. Those who hold her fast are called blessed. This is Old Testament language, the fear of the Lord. Those who find this Gate, it leads to life. It's, it's only those who are born again by the Spirit of God who are those who drink at the fountain of life. How do we know that? Well, Jesus said in John 7, verse 37, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit whom those who believed in him were to receive. It's the new birth, it's the birth of the Spirit that brings eternal life. So we've seen the two gates. There's the gate of death, which we enter by birth, and then there is the gate of life, which we enter through the new birth. And these gates then lead on to two very different paths. So in the second place, let's consider the two paths. Now this idea of a path or a way is used interchangeably in Proverbs. It's a description of the entire trajectory of our lives. It's, it's really the general course of your life is described either as a path or as a way. It encompasses every aspect of your life, from school to university to marriage to, to family and work and recreation, young and old, everything in between is described as your life, your path, your way. We see that all of Proverbs, no matter what the theme or the subject is, is speaking about those who are walking or living on one of two paths. You're either on the path of death or you are on the path of life. 
So let's start again with the path of death. Uh, children, just like doing your buttons up on your shirt, if you start wrong, you end wrong. Because every button in between is then in the wrong place. And so it is with the gate of death. If you start wrong, you end wrong. The gate of death leads to the path of death, and it affects everything in between. Now let's see how, how clearly Proverbs teaches this natural progression that you and I make down this path of death. And the example I'm going to use is, is a very clear example in, in terms of the seduction of this sexual world in which we live. We live in a sex-saturated culture. It's a culture which openly celebrates sexual sin. It promotes it as a lifestyle of choice and freedom and pleasure. And so almost every television show, every movie these days is intentional in seducing your heart further and further down the path of death. Do not be naive on this. Look at Proverbs chapter 5, verse 1. My son, be attentive to my wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge. For the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. Well, that verse makes it clear what path she is on, the adulteress. But what about him who pursues her? The man who lacks sense, who, who ignores the call of wisdom. Well, Proverbs 2 verse 18 says, Her house sinks down to death, and her paths to the departed. None who go to her come back, nor do they regain the paths of life. Proverbs 7.24, And now, O son, listen to me. Be attentive to the words of my mouth. Let not your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her path, for many a victim she has laid low. All her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is the way to Sheol, going down to the chambers of death. Now that's very clear, I hope. But what we must understand is that this path of death, described here in the context of sexual adultery, does not only apply to sexual sin, to lust and pornography and adultery. What Proverbs says about this path of death applies just as equally to all the other gateways that I spoke about earlier. The reason why the path of death is so wide is because it has hundreds of smaller winding paths contained within it. And sexual sin is just one of them. Proverbs deals with so many more. Pride, we've looked at arrogance, self-righteousness, riches, greed, anger, lack of self-control, laziness, gossip, slander, lying, dishonesty, disrespect to your parents, deception, covetousness, drunkenness. 
All of these subjects are dealt with in the book of Proverbs. Many more, and they are just descriptions that make up the broad winding path of the way of death. And those who walk on it are many. Every day from the day of our flesh birth, we choose to enter through daily the many and varied gateways of death. And along with our many friends on this journey, Proverbs says we are headed like an ox to the slaughter, not realizing that there is no way back. We are headed to the chambers of death. But thankfully, Proverbs also describes another path, another way, and that is the path of life. Jesus called this path the narrow way, the hard way which leads to life. So we need to realize that the path of life and the path of death, they are mutually exclusive. And those who are on this path of life, we will look and we will live very differently to those who are on the path of death. Proverbs 12, 28 says, In the path of righteousness is life, and in its pathway there is no death. What a wonderful proverb. It's a helpful proverb because it helps us to see that you cannot play games with the choices you make in life. Thinking that it, it doesn't matter if I sin a little bit here and a little bit over there, if I disobey God in this area of my life and I reject his counsel in that area, it doesn't really matter because I love Jesus. Proverbs says the two paths are mutually exclusive. They are in actual fact headed in totally opposite directions. Do you remember the part in Pilgrim's Progress where Christian and hopeful come to Bypass Meadow? Bypass Meadow. You remember that? If not, don't worry, I'll read it to you. Little pilgrims left the Valley of Peace early in the morning and traveled along the way of the king all that day. Late in the afternoon, they came to a place where a stile led into a broad green meadow. It was called Bypass Meadow, and it belonged to a cruel and powerful giant named Despair. He was one of the most famous soldiers of the wicked prince's army, and he lived in a strong castle beyond the meadow which could not be seen from the way of the king. Now, this was all written in Christian's book, but he did not think to look at it just then. The boys were both feeling tired. They had found the path leading from the river rough and stony, and their feet were sore and aching. Christian stopped when he saw the stile, and he leaned over it. A fence divided the meadow from the way of the king, but a smooth, grassy path ran close to the fence. Could we not just walk along this path for a little way? Christian said, turning to Hopeful. These stones are so hard, and my feet ache dreadfully. So do mine, answered Hopeful, but would it be safe? Then he came to the stile and he also looked over. Oh, I think it must be safe, said Christian. See, it, it runs so close to the fence. We could climb back at any moment in a minute. Hopeful did not feel quite as sure that they were doing the right thing, but he thought that Christian knew better, knew more about the king's laws than he did. And so he followed his companion into the meadow. Ah, oh, the grass was soft and pleasant to their feet, and not far before them another boy was walking along near the fence. 
And Christian called to him, can you tell me where this path leads? The boy, whose name was Vain Confidence, turned around and said, to the celestial city, of course. You see, said Christian, I was right. We shall be quite safe. We can keep behind that boy, and if there's any danger, we shall know of it in time to, dis- to escape. But Hopeful was not quite satisfied, and when night came, the shadows grew thick, so thick that vain confidence could no longer be seen. He felt frightened. It was a storm. There was wind. There was a thick fog. Suddenly, a cry was heard and a sound of falling. Hopeful seized Christian's arms and clung to him in great fear. Christian lost his courage and began to tremble from head to foot. What could have happened? He said, and they called out to vain confidence, but they received no answer. Only through the darkness, the boys could hear that someone was groaning as if in terrible pain. I'm not sure we're on the right way, said Hopeful, and it's so dark. Christian did not answer. He knew that he had done wrong in climbing over the stile, and he wondered how he could have been so foolish as to think that any other path could be safe that led him out of the straight road. Well, giant despair comes and he captures them and he takes them off to Doubting Castle. And you can read that for yourself uh, later. Where did it all go wrong? Where did it all go wrong for Christian and Hopeful? It was when they ignored what was written in the king's book. It was all there, but they did not look at the book. The path of life and the path of death are mutually exclusive and they run in totally different directions, even though initially they may seem so close. So this, by the way, young people, is why the scripture speaks so clearly of not being unequally yoked together with an unbeliever. To date and then marry an unbeliever, you are being bound in a lifelong covenant to someone who is living on an entirely different path, headed in an entirely different direction. Even though at the moment it seems like you might just be walking hand in hand on each side of the fence. Proverbs is clear what it means to walk in the path of life, to walk in obedience to the truth of God's word. Look at Proverbs 13 verse 14, the teaching of the wise. Earlier we were told the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. That's the gateway. But now how do you stay on the path of life? It's the teachings of the wise is a fountain of life that one may turn away from the snares of death. Proverbs 4, verse 1 to 6. Hear, O son, the father's instruction. Be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words and keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight, do not forget, do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake wisdom and she will keep you, love her and she will guard you. 
So we've seen the two gates and how each of these gates leads to two very different paths. And in the final place, I want us to see that each path ultimately leads to two destinations. Let me remind you again how Jesus described the the interconnectedness of the gate to the path to the destination. Enter by the narrow gate, Jesus says. For the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction and those who enter by it are many. The gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. So in the first place we see the first destination of eternal death. The gate of death into which we are born leads to the path of death in which we live our lives and in the end it leads to the destination of eternal death. Proverbs 11 verse 14. Riches do not profit in the day of wrath, but righteousness delivers from death. Now this proverb is focusing on riches. It's, it's the pursuit of riches. But look at the point it's making. That on the day of judgment, on the day of God's wrath, all our pursuits, all our accomplishments on the path of death, Riches in this, in this example will do nothing to appease the wrath of God. Only righteousness delivers from death. And the reference here to the day of wrath then is a clear reference to eternal death. This is a, a reference to hell and separation from God. The next two proverbs show us both the path and the, and the destination of death. Proverbs 15 verse 10 There is severe discipline for him who forsakes the way. And whoever hates that reproof, that discipline, will die. If you branch away from God's path, God will discipline you. And the end result, if you don't listen, is death. Again, Proverbs 8.36, He who fails to find me injures himself. That's the the, the path, that's the life of, of the person who is not on the way of life. And the end... Well, in the end, you'll prove to hate me and and it'll be death. And so as you consider the gate of death into which you were born and the path of death in which you've lived at least for much of your life, if you're not still living that, what is the destination? It's eternal death. And, And maybe this morning you realize that you are still on that path and you are concerned then that there's no hope. We've already read that if you go on that path, there's no turning back. And in one sense, you're right. If, if the solution to get off the path of death is left to those who have been born into the gateway of death, who've lived their lives under the, the, the temptation, temptation and, and, and the, the, the many, many winding paths, paths of death, of death what, what hope is there but to, to, to fearfully expect the judgment of God? God. But thankfully, as we've been seeing in our other series the last couple of weeks, Our God God is a God of mission. Our God God is a God of mission. He's a God of grace. Look at Proverbs 24. This wonderful glimmer of hope. Rescue those. Rescue those who are being taken away to death. Hold back those who are stumbling to the slaughter. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And whoever catches souls is wise. What a wonderful verse to to transition to the other destination, which is eternal life. Just say, God, God has granted, granted you here this morning, morning the new birth. birth. If, if you, you are, are born, born again, again 
whereby the, the Holy Spirit has made you alive and caused you to walk on the path of life, caused you to walk in the ways of righteousness, you are meant to be a tree of life which rescues those who are perishing on the way of death. We are to rescue those who are being taken away to death before it's too late. We are to hold them back as they stumble to the slaughter. We are to be those who are truly wise because we win souls for Christ. So in the final place, we see the second destination of eternal life. Eternal life. Just as we saw a distinction between the path and the destination of death, now we see the, the distinction between the path and the destination of life. Look at Proverbs 11. Whoever is steadfast in righteousness will live. There's the path. Steadfast in righteousness. Destination, you'll live. But he who pursues evil, that's the path. Destination, you'll die. Proverbs 15, the path of life. The way of life, where does it lead? Upward. Upward for the prudent, for the wise. That he may turn away from Sheol beneath. See again how the paths are mutually exclusive. The destination simply eternally reveals the trajectory that you were already on. If your life is lived on the path of death, then you should not be surprised or shocked when on the day of judgment Jesus says, Depart from me, I never knew you. Similarly, if the trajectory of your life is lived on the path of life, an upward trajectory of wisdom and righteousness and the fear of the Lord, it'll take you in the opposite direction of death to eternal life with Jesus. Now, Shane's going to be ending our series next week in Proverbs chapter 8. And I would really encourage you, even if you're on holiday, tune in to get the final installment as we consider how all of the Proverbs point us to Jesus. But let me just end with one verse to whet your appetite. Proverbs 8.35 Whoever finds me finds wisdom, finds life, and obtains favor from the Lord. Jesus is the wisdom of God personified. And it's only when we find him that we find life, that we find eternal life. And it's only in him that we obtain favor from the Lord. Hebrews 12 verse 2 reminds us that Jesus is both the author and the perfecter of our faith. We know that verse well. Can I rephrase it in the light of our study this morning? Jesus is the gate to life and he is the destination of eternal life. And just as his life in between his birth and his ascension was lived perfectly on the path of life, perfect wisdom, perfect righteousness, Nevertheless, he then voluntarily took upon himself on the cross the curse and the punishment of the way of death so that we who find Jesus find life and eternal reward from the Lord. So let me close this morning with the words of Moses again. See, I've set before you blessing and curse. 
Therefore choose life, that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, holding fast to him, for he is your life. Can I add your eternal length of days? This is closing with a prayer. Father, we come before you again this morning and we are just humbled that you would descend to our level to reveal to us so clearly in the pages of Scripture your plan and way of salvation, the way of life that is offered freely to us through the wisdom of God, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that those who today are still living on the path of death, who may realize today for the first time that there is no hope for them to ever change the trajectory they are on unless they are born again by the Spirit of God, that they would cry out to you for forgiveness and for your salvation. Lord, for those amongst us who have been playing games, yes, we entered through the new birth, but we keep walking with one foot or sometimes both feet on the path of death. May we realize today that we cannot play games with you. And the path determines the destination. It reveals the trajectory we are on. May we come back to Jesus fully and cling to him alone. And Lord, those who are walking faithfully on the path of life, won't you give us a deep desire to rescue, opportunity to save those who are on the path of death. We might have the opportunity and your grace to win souls for Jesus, we pray. Amen.